This is the Analyzing Anfield podcast on the Blood Red channel, bringing you the best tactical and statistical analysis of Liverpool FC. Hello everybody and welcome to this week's episode of Analyzing Anfield. My name's Josh Williams and I'm joined, I'm rejoined by David Hughes. How are you doing, mate? Yeah, very good. Thank you, mate. Yeah, Christian stood in for you last week. Yeah. Um, and I'm going to mention it immediately. He predicted a 4-0 win. <laughs> Hoping I said to go Madrid. <laughs> Obviously it didn't happen. Uh, so I'm glad to have you back by my side. Yeah, I, uh, I won't be predicting those crazy 4-0 score lines. <laughs> yeah, I think he had too much sugar before the episode, to be honest. <laughs> Uh, but anyway, it it feel, still feels very fresh. Uh, we are recording the the morning after the night before, um, so it's we usually get a couple of days to uh, like reassess the match and things like that. But this is feels like a post game pod, really. Mm-hmm. Don't yeah, it does. Yeah. Uh, so we're going to have a little look at how the Atletico game went. Obviously, Liverpool suffered a defeat, um, and we're going to look at Norwich, the match that we previewed last week. We're going to actually avoid West Ham this week because uh, we previewed them what feels like about a week ago, mm. about two weeks ago. They've played one time since against Brighton, three all it was. Um, so that's it's virtually as is in that regard, so we're not going to talk about them. So it might be a little bit of a shorter pod this week. Uh, we'll see how we go with that. But Norwich anyway. Mm. Uh, I think we tried to initially paint the picture of a team that is 20th in the table. But at the same time, they can compete, can't they? They, mm. they can remain competitive between both boxes. They're quite well drilled, yeah. you know, well coached and stuff like that. They just haven't really got the quality, maybe, to to deliver at both ends. And um, it was probably a little bit tighter actually than than we than we thought, at least in terms of the overall result and the overall score. And obviously, it was a one nil win in the end, wasn't mm. it? Yeah, and the goal obviously comes quite late in the day. Um, was it seventy odd minutes? Something like that, yeah. Yeah, so, <clears throat> yeah, fair play to Norwich. It's, Norwich is a strange one, actually, because they, although they're bottom of the league, those sides tend to be a bit dull and painful to watch, and Norwich is still quite fun to watch, aren't they? Um, I, I, I'll be honest, I was a little bit surprised that they, they held Liverpool to, to well, a goal straw until late on before, obviously, Mane scores. Um, I think 1-0 is... Definitely nothing to be ashamed of when you're playing top of the league. Um, yeah, they did a little bit better than I expected, I'll be honest. Yeah, I mean, as I said, they were competitive, but despite that, if you actually look at the numbers beneath the surface, it, it, it looks like a, a dominant Liverpool win, Another really. So I think win, it shows yeah. that like even when you keep things relatively tight against Liverpool, Liverpool tend to just generate enough output, really, to actually decide the match mm. um, 64% possession and 17 shots to 5 um, the expected goals on the day 2.2 for Liverpool and 0.5 for Norwich um, so obviously that suggests a fairly comfortable win you know a 2-0 win maybe something like that Am I right to say no that it's unlikely that the XG would have awarded anything for that chance where Alisson kind of parries it or scoops it away in the first half because that was a huge chance that yeah that's true I'd, I w- if I was recording that I don't think I'd personally label that as a shot to yeah because no shot actually goes off but that was uh, some fantastic goalkeeping again wasn't it um, yeah it's Boston situations isn't it yeah that's it just so so calm in those in those moments where other keepers might panic or um, I think you've just hit the nail on the head actually just bossing the, the situation um yeah, that was a big chance and 
obviously Alisson and kept Liverpool in it and nil-nil really yeah but I must say I think I think beyond that although Norwich competed and Liverpool didn't actually break through until late on I think that Liverpool generally restricted Norwich to virtually nothing hmm. um, just trying to get up the, the actual shot map now but I think that any shots that Norwich did have were from distance I think uh, I'm top, yeah that. off the top of my head I'm, I'm sure there was none inside the box or maybe one or two um, yeah there was there was a Grant Hanley header oh okay um, yeah. oh yeah I think I remember that that was quite late on 73rd minute mm. from a corner um, and a few a few shots that are a little bit wide maybe but mm. not I mean the, the, the Alexander Tetti chance was, was mad wasn't it did you see that one yeah yeah. shot from outside the box mm. completely on by a corner flag and yeah. the post somehow Um but I, when I looked into the numbers after the, after the match, you know, doing the, doing the analysis and things like that, one thing I I registered in my own head watching the match was Liverpool seemed to be entering the final third less, and we we, we seemed to be our passing lanes felt as though they were getting cut off and things like that, and we generally struggled to um, keep pressure in the final third of the pitch. Mm. But then when I looked at the numbers, uh, it went completely against them. So yeah, it, it's all season. It's the second most attempts Liverpool have made to actually find the final third in a match. The only time we've done it more is Newcastle at home. Mm. Newcastle at Anfield, but beyond that, Liverpool actually broke the hundred passes mark towards the final third, which I was just a bit surprised by after the game. Yeah, no, I agree. I I had to look at something similar. And, um, Liverpool completed thirteen passes within twenty yards of Norwich's goal. Uh, and the average normally around eleven, so yeah, it 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 maybe the eyes were fooling us a little bit with this one, um, but I don't know. It, it I think Norwich, as we already touched on, they did a good job of cutting out the passing lanes and just making it really difficult. And sometimes that can impact your what you remember from the game, doesn't it? A little bit, um, but I, I still think they did defend fairly well. I'll be honest, for sad that seems to concede quite a lot of goals this season. Yeah, I mean, I've just mentioned that about the the passes into the final third. There, it did take a significant boost in the second half. I will say that. So, I think obviously they, they breached the hundred mark overall, but I think in the first half it was only around the forties. I think in the second half we then hit, you know, in and around about sixty passes. Yeah, and obviously if you looked at if you look at the the expected goals timeline as well, Liverpool in the first half offered virtually nothing. Um, RxG at half time I think it was about 0.4 and obviously it ends at 2.2 so it was just a I mean we keep saying it don't we every, every week but the whole game of two halves thing yeah although what I will say is that Norwich sat so deep in that first half like they gave Liverpool next to no space their PPDA averaged out to just under 27 but in the second half it goes to just over 15 so it seems like they, they come out a little bit more in the second half which obviously played into played into Liverpool's hands and give them a little bit more space to to manoeuvre and carve open chances. Yeah, I mean, it felt like a lot of our passing nearly on was just generally quite safe, mm. sideways, a little bit sterile. And we, te- we we were hitting long passes, the long passes that we used to gain territory in a pitch. We was hitting them when the situations weren't really calling for that. A bit of an over-reliance on them at times, you think? Yeah, but also just poor timing with them, mm. I think. And it resulted in us failing to sustain pressure in their half for long periods like we did in the second half. Um, 
But I think with that being the case, one thing I've thought this week, including the Atletico game, a, a team that's so machine-like, like Liverpool, so functional, do you think that it's possible for a winter break to almost hinder your rhythm? Klopp talks a lot about rhythm with players, getting getting certain players' rhythm back into the team and things like that. And I think for the whole team to have a what was it a week or a two week break or whatever it was, and then to, to all restart again, it it you know it's it's no surprise to me considering that that we've played 180 minutes of football, fouling at once. Hmm. It's just a little bit more you know disjointed. I mean? Yeah, just a, a little bit. I'm talking minute. Yeah, because. It, I do think that comes into it, you know, things like, I can't think of a better term than muscle memory, you know, you're just doing the same actions week in, week out, you get into a flow, you, 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 you've got your understanding with players, um, fitness is at its best, and, and then you do, you take this break, it kind of disrupts it, um, we don't really like to use age-old cliches, but, you know, you hear commentary talking about, oh, they, 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 I bet they wish they had another game three days later or a week later rather than having a, a two-week break. It's, it is true. It, it does disrupt the flow. And when you think of how well-oiled Liverpool have been over, basically over the season, and we expected December to be a really difficult period where they had a lot of games and they'd start feeling fatigued. And, you know, that's where you'd see the odd bad performance. But in reality... At, if I look back on the season, I don't think Liverpool looked better than over they did when they did in December. When they had game after game after yeah. game, they just looked really sharp. They, they, they looked like, they, you know, everything was just flowing perfectly. And then, yeah, I do. I think these little breaks just just disrupt the rhythm of, of how they're playing. And yeah, I think the word, the word that comes to mind for me is, you know, the intangible concept of momentum sort mm. of thing. Liverpool were just, as I said, machine-like. Every single match, you just find a way to win and and, and, and that sort of thing. Mm. And Although we did find a way to win against Norwich, and considering how the Atletico game went, it just feels as though we've, I don't know, just just a little bit trying to re- restore that, what, what we had before the break, mm. basically. Yeah, I agree. Um, just a quick word on the goal. Obviously, Sadio Mane made the difference. Um, after coming on, I thought he looked really sharp when he came on. But there was there was a few moments before that uh, where Salah got into into dangerous areas, mm. and he was I felt he was hindered at the time because of the reliance he places on his left foot. Mm. And I think when when Mane comes on the goal, I'm pretty sure he takes it down with his right mm. And finishes with his left. I mm. think it's absolutely massive for players in the modern day to be two-footed. Yeah, I agree. Um, That's I, one massive I've, advantage I think Mane has over Salah. Yeah. Well, I actually do prefer Mane to Salah, if I'm being brutally honest. I do, and I understand why everybody loves Salah. Salah's fantastic. But I do think Mane's a little bit more unpredictable on the ball, whereas Salah sometimes can look a little bit... Is it? Is am I being harsh? Saying one-dimensional sometimes. Like you, you, I feel with Sally, you know more what he what he's going to do when he stands to play. But mm. whereas Mane to me just seems to be able to. He's just really unpredictable. But that's just my opinion. I definitely want don't want any abuse over it. Um, but just on on that, I know we talked loads about long balls, but I'm convinced that um, Liverpool's attackers have been working on bringing the ball down from. From the sky. From the sky, yeah. I'm convinced. You know, look, I don't, it may have been against Norwich, actually. 
Firmino has one where it comes down and he he takes down really well. Oh, oh, yeah, that, that would have been a great yeah. goal. But how many times have we seen that this season where they, a lot of the ball's gone towards the box and they've they've managed to take it down, hold off defenders and get a shot off before it's even if hit the ground a lot of the time. I think it's definitely something they're working on. Um, you know, we know that they're playing more long balls than ever. Um, most long balls this season, it was... I think they were ranked 10th two seasons ago. So they're obviously playing more long balls and I assume to do so, the attackers are working on bringing them down. Yeah, no, I agree with you there, yeah. Uh, just one little note on what you've mentioned earlier there, from an Everton perspective, mm-hmm. if you can have one of Salah or Mane for the rest of the campaign, mm. who would you take? Yeah, Mane. Mane, yeah. Yeah, I think... Uh, I just like... I just think Mane is... Mane can be unplayable and Salah does score big goals. Um, he's strong. He, he is a good dribbler. Look, Salah's world-class, simple as, but we're just talking about two world-class players here and I prefer Mane personally. I think Mane over the past 12 months or so has been almost unplayable in most games. Yeah. Um, sticking with the Norwich team, just before we move on, one, one Norwich-related thing that has emerged since the match is links with Todd Cantwell, mm. uh, 30 million. Um, remains to be seen whether they're absolutely accurate at the minute. Mm. Uh, but from your perspective, I think firstly, do, do they make sense? I mean, what were your general thoughts when you saw it? Yeah, it does, yeah. Um, he's, a, he's, he's versatile, I like him. Uh, he's, he's, he seems a really good player. He's young, he fits in with the kind of philosophy of of Liverpool I guess um, but, but yeah there's a, there's a but, but yeah I, I just think okay for, I, I've looked at them a few times um, and the most recent time I looked at them I was just having a look at those chances created um, now you may have seen it there's, there's a an account out there that looks at the brackets other 14 sides in the Premier League mm. and the basis is they just eliminate the top six and look at players from the other 14 just because obviously a lot of the time the top six dominates rankings and set metrics because they're playing in the better sides yeah. so this is an idea just to see who's doing well um, and other teams in the league so I was having a look at um, Cantwell in there in terms of chances created without set pieces where would you think he ranked would you, I assume you'd have them fairly high. Yeah, when you say chances created, are you talking about shots assisted? Yeah, yeah, just basically, yeah. Yeah, okay. So, uh, see, it's difficult because I, yeah, I, 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 I know, but I know his shots assisted oh, being okay. 90. Fine, okay. But so I, I know what you're saying. I'll, I'll play along. I, yeah. I would expect him to create chances, yeah, because that's what his... Do you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, exactly that. I know exactly what you're saying. I was probably asking the wrong person, to be honest. <laughs> but um, yeah, he, he ranked 11th for chances created um, without set pieces this season. And that's also the other, you know, the other 14 sides. So that's not including the basically top players in the division. If you include them, he's probably ranking somewhere between 20th and 30th. Like, it's good, but is it is it Liverpool good? Um, I think he definitely has a chance to progress to be as you know, a, a top player at other side like Liverpool, but I don't know, 30 million just doesn't seem great business. And then I expect a few clubs to be sniffing around. It could make the uh, his value increase and does it become a little bit of a bid more? I don't know. I'm just, I'm not convinced. Yeah, I know, what, I know what you're saying. 
I'm I, um, I think I'm a little bit split with this one. Some, sometimes Liverpool are linked with a player and you immediately know why they're linked because, you know, we obviously know Liverpool are very data-focused and there's certain signs that Liverpool have made that are just very clearly data players, if you like. Mohamed Salah comes to mind, um, Naby Keita comes to mind, players like that. Um, Todd Cantwell is not a data player. Mm. Uh, that's that's one of the, the the reasons I'm inclined to slightly disbelieve the rumour. Um, his numbers throughout the course of the season, they're okay. That, that's hard to describe. And just, mm. you know, they're fine. There's nothing, nothing wrong with them, but he's not really an outlier in any area, really. Um, on that shots assisted thing that I've just mentioned, when I checked in the Premier League this season, he's assisting about about one shot a match, about one shot per ninety. So that's not great. No. It's not terrible, but you know it's 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 not the kind of thing that would stand out to you. Um, however, he's English. He's homegrown. We are losing Adam Lallana mm. in the summer. James Milner's now thirty four. Henderson's twenty nine, I think. Um, and I don't think you can. The word I don't think you can overestimate what the impact of Brexit might be on transfers mm. and squads in the Premier League. And I know certain clubs, for example, Brighton come to mind, are already planning for that. Just getting it like they got um, is it Lamptey <laughs> from Chelsea, yeah, for a free transfer, yeah, English homegrown player, I think. Um, and they've you know, they're making, making efforts in that, in that department. Just so that, because if the Premier League do eventually release, you know, regulations or whatever it may be, mm. can you imagine how much Cantwell would cost after that rule mm. had been enforced? Mm. He'd probably double. Yeah. So the best thing in the short term before that happens would be to, to plan ahead for that, basically, and start almost stockpiling English talent, players with high ceilings that you can then develop. And obviously, I think he's is he 21. Uh, it might even be just 20, you know. Uh, I might be wrong though, let me check. Um, so yeah, I think I think Cantwell, you have to maybe... Look yeah, no, he is, just, just turned 21. Just oh no, turned. just coming up to 22, sorry. Yeah. Um, but I don't know, he's the, he's the type of player that I think you have to maybe look beyond the numbers with this one and look at what he clearly offers on the pitch. He's clearly a technically good player. Mm. Clearly got a lot of work rates about him. Um, plays a good deal of minutes and things like that. Plenty of experience despite his age. Little bit lightweight, not the quickest. Although he is, you know, relatively mobile, I suppose. Would you, uh, would you be as interested if he wasn't English, though? No, no, absolutely not. Yeah. So you, so if see the Brexit thing, I, uh, I'd have to be honest. I'm not educated enough, and I don't know what the implications are going to be on it. Um, but without that fact, do you think no? I'd think no. Yeah. Okay. Th- fair. I'm trying to look at why that rumor would make sense, mm. and. But I think I'm. There's no way we would be in for a player like that for 30 million unless he was. Unless he offered something else. Yeah. And that's why I'm considering well, it could be. the impact of Brexit, yeah, and, and stockpiling English players and stuff like that and catering for the eventual departure of the likes of um, Jordan Henderson, James Milner, and obviously Adam Milan's rumoured to be going in the summer. Yeah. You need to start building. Build, building a squad that's capable of meeting these uh, these regulations. Obviously, we've got Curtis Jones in the wings. Mm. Um, he's English, obviously, scouser. 
Um, Nico Williams as well. Uh, what else you think he is? Mm. But, you know, it's, it's just... And it's just a note that I thought I'd make. Um, one player that I do think meets the numbers uh, criteria, which me and Chris talked about last week, would be Buendia. Yeah. Buendia would be the player that shows up as... Okay, he's a data player. Yeah. He's, he's got output to his game. He's clearly going to impact things. And when you watch him as well, you see, you know, his intelligent movement, good positional awareness and stuff. Yeah, he's, yeah, he, he, he does fit the bill. He, I think he's a good player. I'd yeah. be surprised if he's still at Norwich beyond the, beyond the summer. Yeah, same. The only difference is, well, there's a few differences actually. A, Cantwell is younger. Mm. B, he's homegrown. C, he's English. And D, his contract runs out in two years. Mm. Whereas when they signed a new deal in the summer, just gone. Um, all those things come into the recruitment. So, you know, you, ne- you never know, I suppose. Mm. But we'll move on anyway to. <laughs> got your violin there. Athletic <laughs> <laughs> Home Madrid. I haven't seen you cut up about a, a game like this. For, well, then again, <laughs> Liverpool win every week, so why would you be? But, um, no, yeah. I must admit, this is the most down I've felt about a, a result in a long time. And it's because, I suppose it's because of the implications of it. Mm. Um it's it's a it's a difficult one to come back from this. Uh although it's only a one nil loss. Mm. I think it's it's safe to say though, I think we we called this one fairly accurately. Uh it went for me exactly as expect exactly as I, I expected it to go. The only difference being I didn't actually think Atletico would manage to nick a goal, but they did. Yeah. Which makes it even worse. Yeah. Yeah, that was a, it, it. It it literally in terms of playing in terms of playing them, it couldn't have gone any worse. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Early against that side, it's. But you know what? <laughs> we took some stick when this draw got announced about saying how how, <laughs> how tough this this um, this game was going to be for Liverpool, and you know if anyone wants to send an apology, like by all <laughs> means do it because uh, it was just it was probably Liverpool's toughest game, and it's. It, they are such a tough side to to go and play away at. Well, I mean, I've got an answer to that in a little bit that I think away from home they're not as good, but we'll come on to that in a bit. But yeah, it's uh, I have to agree, it's how I expected it to go. Although, with that being said, if Liverpool would have scored one or two, that wouldn't really surprise me and kept a clean sheet just because how good Liverpool will be in this year. Analyzing Anfield on the Blood Red Channel. At, at the time of the actual draw, I remember tweeting, uh, that is a terrible draw for Liverpool. That was my observation on it. Just obviously appreciated Liverpool were very, very good. That's goes without saying. But I think out of all the teams we could have drawn, this is a team that could stay in the tie until the very end. Mm. The fact they've now got a lead is even more concerning. Do you think it's a blow that Liverpool didn't get an away goal? Yeah, yeah, it's huge. That. That's something we've... I mean, the only the only time I think we haven't done that on the Klopp is um, Barca. Barca, yeah. Mm. Obviously, I'm, I'm excluding the Europa League there. We didn't do it at Villarreal either. Got beat 1-0 over at Villarreal. Mm. And then when they came to, to Anfield, we beat them 3-0, I think. Mm. Um, but yeah, just... I don't know. I just think it's a, it's going to be a tricky one. It's going to be a really difficult one. It's going gonna, it's gonna to go exactly as, as we thought it would go, to be honest, in terms of... I think it's going to be a, a 180-minute... Tie, mm. Mm. Um, but the expected goals on the day anyway was 0.8 to Atletico and 0.5 to Liverpool. 
obviously there's very, very little in that. Um, and that's just what Atletico do. They, they, they find a way of nicking a goal, mm. whether that be a sloppy, taking advantage of something sloppy, whether that be a set piece, an own goal, a penalty. They just... They're just a results machine. They always yeah, have been under yeah. Simeone. Well, their two best chances was the goal, obviously, which is a bit of a, a mess up from the from the corner, and then probably Morata's chance, which comes from a a rare. I don't want to. I think mistakes a little bit harsh, but it was a misplaced header by Van Dijk is probably a better way to label it. Um, and he then creates a chance off that as well. But I must admit, I thought I thought Van Dijk was a little bit. Less efficient than usual, mm. and that's judging him by based on his massive standards. Yeah, I'm just going based on I see, based on what I see of him every single week. He's just so assured in everything that he does, every single thing. And this this time around, just I don't know, certain things were weren't perfect. Which like sounds the clearance that goes for the corner for the goal and that kind of yeah, stuff. Yeah, certain headers going to opposing players rather than to Liverpool players, and I don't know. I, I get it. Maybe uh, I'm being a bit high no, we, uh, yeah, I think that's it. He gets a pass for me just because. Yeah, of course. He, even that standard last night was still good. It's just as you said, lo- with lofty height, it's it's easy to spot any sort of marginal drop in performance. I guess. Um, yeah. So, so from an athletical perspective, they turned up as expected. So four four two, very very narrow. They saw twenty three percent of the ball in the end. Um, seven shots overall. I think virtually all of those came from about forty yards. Thomas Party, I think, had a shot from his own half at mm. one point. Um, but they had two on target, and the two on target were, I think, inside the six-yard box. Obviously, Saul's goal and the Manassa chance mm. was very, very close to goal. Yeah. So that is literally all they need. And you know, I wanted to paint the picture of this is a team that is still in the same mould of the Atletico we know. But the difference is this season, they're not taking those chances that they get. Yeah, they're this underperforming th- against the expected goals, aren't they? Quite yeah, a lot. but yeah. this time they actually did. They, did mm. they obviously took the first chance. I must say, on that set-piece goal, we were really unlucky. That's just the type of thing that yeah. can just... It's it's one of them. <laughs> no, I, it <laughs> one is, of them, yeah. isn't it, mate? It's, it's, I mean, it's, it's bounced right into their path. You know, we... He could have been another. If it was another centimetre, he would have been offside. Just, just things that the tangibles that kind of went their way in in that moment. I thought, um, but yeah, that everything you just said there. That it, that's that's just what they are, aren't they? Sitting deep four four two. You know, they'll they'll let you have. Well, Liverpool have plenty of territory in their half. Traditionally, that's that's quite a positive thing. But it doesn't phase them one bit, does it? Um, they tend to do most of their ball recovery in their own third or around the middle of the park and they're just that's what they're comfortable with and then they'll they'll just look to break out on the counter. Yeah. Stay in the tie was what, what their overall goal mm. will have been basically and I think they've clearly done that and taking a one nil lead to Anfield, I think they're gonna be in the tie until the very end. I think it's gonna be I don't think Liverpool are gonna blow them away or no, like yeah. that. It doesn't feel like that anyway. Um but yeah within the four four two that they had they blocked the centre of the pitch, um, similar to how Liverpool usually do, actually. But whenever Liverpool's fall back, they soon possession. So whenever Trent got the ball in his usual areas, or Robertson got the ball in his usual areas, they made deliberate movements to close those players down. Mm. Obviously, they appreciate the attacking capabilities of those two. Um, 
and it just it seems to it seems to largely nullify Liverpool. I thought Liverpool in attack were disappointing. Mm, yeah, um, it felt to me at times, say with like the likes of Trent, that they they weren't maybe used to that pressure. There's a few times I thought Trent was a little bit wasteful with his crosses. Yeah, I there think was, another player as well. I think Henderson in particular was um, some obviously the fact he's being pressurised in small spaces, mm. just a few passes were a little bit misplaced and yeah. lacked accuracy and. You could tell you sometimes he got the ball and rather than putting his foot on it and looking up and making a forward pass, he'd anticipate pressure so he'd immediately play a safe pass backwards. Mm. Whereas maybe if you've got someone who's a bit more confident on the ball, like a, a Naby Keita in that moment, maybe he assumes possession is a bit more positive with it in, in certain moments. So Yeah, because what, what we will say is even though uh, Atletico Madrid are um, a pressing side in the sense that they'll press you in your defensive third, they're very aggressive in their f- their own defensive third and in their own half, aren't they? So there isn't a lot of space on the b- on the ball, and they are very much in your face when you're in that in their half. And um, it did seem like Liverpool, who probably aren't that used to that, I'd say. You don't see a lot of that really in the Premier League. No, it's it's like a deep line of engagement, isn't it? Mm. But once you actually do engage, it's it's full throttle. Yeah, exactly. And uh, there's just a few Liverpool players I thought last night struggled a little bit with it. Um, so eight shots on on in total for Liverpool on the day, uh, none on target. The second time that's happened under Jurgen Klopp, only the second time. Two hundred fifty-one games. Yeah, that's crazy. The other yeah. time, ironically, was against Napoli, who you know another team that we tend to struggle against. Mm. Uh, so obviously doesn't bode particularly well. I must say though that. If the seller shot doesn't get blocked, the seller shot from inside the box, I do think that's hitting the top corner. Do, I do you think that's going? Yeah, I think that's that's being scored. Mm. Um, but other than that, we we generally didn't create very much at all. I, I do think that this was Liverpool perceived to be this this wonderful attacking team and stuff like that. But I think Liverpool's defense is, is massive. Liverpool's defense is everything, um, and I think this was the two best defenses in Europe facing off. Mm. And I think it's massive. Whoever takes a lead. Yeah, in in, a, in, a, in that scenario, that that kind of tie, you just have to take the lead. Liverpool are so good at taking the lead, and so good at you know eradicating any mistakes that may come into the match. I just I was really surprised when we when we went down. It was it was Liverpool can do their own version of what Atletico Madrid have been doing for years. I think. How many times have I said on the air? Yeah, I think yeah, Liverpool yeah. could be a fantastic side sitting in a low block. And it shows by how many games Liverpool have won to nil by small margins, by taking the lead, as you said, and just seeing the game out. So I don't actually think Liverpool gain enough credit. They are an English version of what Atletico Madrid are. It's just they have a much better, Liverpool have a much better attack, um, which sometimes steals the limelight from the defence, I think. Um, yeah, which is why after conceding after four minutes was an absolute nightmare. It was a disaster of a start. And people were saying there's not plenty of time left and, and things, but against this side, it's tough. I did think there was plenty of time left, but just we, we just never looked likely. We, mm. ne- we never looked particularly likely. Anytime we entered the penalty box in particular, they were just like dogs mm. at our feet. Yeah. It was comp- you got no space, no time at all. Just a really difficult team to, to generate chances against. And I think last week when we I was speaking with Christian, 
Um, I mentioned to him that I'd, I'd, I'd expect that their expected goals per shot against to be really, really low. Mm. And I'd, I actually got her up, checked it, and they've got the best expected goals per shot against in the whole of Europe. Oh, after the old yeah. top five? Yeah, yeah. When I checked, at least, yeah. which means that, you know, the average shot that they tend to face just is is very hard to score, yeah. basically. Like a really low quality. Yeah. Um, difficult match. It was Liverpool's lowest PPDA of the season, though. Um, so, obviously, it suggests that we pressed like monsters, really. Yeah. But that's, I think that stems from us going down very early, basically. Yeah. Liverpool's PPA, PPDA for the match was 3.9, which means we allowed 3.9 passes on average before we looked to, to make a defensive action. So, it was virtually all Liverpool, really. Yeah, but that, that kind of fits what we were saying earlier, doesn't it? That... Um Obviously, they'll do the, the uh, Atletico Madrid will do the bulk of their ball recovery in their own half, and Liverpool's side will be desperate to try and uh, maintain territory. So the minute the ball's turned over, they'll be looking to win it back straight away. Um, yeah, but I don't think that would have phased Atletico Madrid to be honest. I think no. they would have expected it. As I said, the, the, the actual performance of the match, which we try to focus on on this show, went exactly as I expected. I expected Liverpool to dominate the ball. And I expected that to go to sit in for large, large periods before occasionally trying to counter attack or using a set piece. Mm. That's exactly how it went. It just, it just, just Liverpool conceding that early goal was um, a shock to the system. I think, and mm. just completely against the actual game plan. I think we yeah. have we have went into it wanting to control any game state to ensure that we take any lead, sort of thing, and it just didn't really. It hasn't really, got, hasn't really went that way. No. Um, one thing we usually do on this show, though, where I, I absolutely hate when people use the referee as an excuse. I hate it. We never talk about the referees on this show for that reason. You should d- place the emphasis on yourselves to to do the job. Basically, shouldn't rely on favors. But I thought he was awful. Hmm. It was honestly a horrible performance yeah, from the referee. It, was, it wasn't great he, kind of, uh, he got sucked into everything didn't he really he was just terrible he was, honestly he was. He gave a foul for Salah in, in near the corner flag yeah just completely wasn't a foul yeah the linesman was right there linesman didn't give it he booked Joe Gomez for I know the one yeah mm. just completely unnecessary yeah. booking they just weren't a booking mm. give them a throw in in the lead up to the goal which wasn't their throwing. yeah didn't even look like it did it no. Like it looked, it was no. clear it come off. But L- late in the match, um, Oxley Chamberlain's driving forward. Their man handballs it. He plays on. Two seconds later, Chamberlain's fouled. He plays on, and then something happens, and he gives them the he gives them the free kick or something like that. It was, it was just he was he was going along with their. Um, I was play acting too yeah, harsh. Yeah, no, no, yeah, he was getting. I think he was getting sucked into it a little bit more. I think some re- referees in in Europe don't buy into it, and you know they. They, they kind of know what to expect when they go when they go to these places where he, is, he just seemed to he seemed naive would probably be the best way, way to describe it. Yeah, for me, he seemed unqualified. I've got no <laughs> I've got no background on him whatsoever. I don't know what top level matches he's officiated, but this one felt like it was out of his depth for me. Mm. He felt like it was a uh, above his level. Didn't he? Didn't have the the necessary um, coolness, composure to actually assess decisions mm. from a complete objective standpoint yeah uh, so obviously when you're playing on the ground like that against a team like that 
and all those things are going against you, it's going to be really difficult to get a result, especially if you go a goal down. Yeah, I agree, mate. Um, and I think one of the reasons, I mean, we're going to we've got to touch on Klopp's substitutes, mm. um, but one of the reasons that supposedly that he took Sadio Mane off was because of fear of him getting a red card, and that probably ties in with the referee and, and how, you know, all over the place the referee seems to be. That would make a little bit more sense. Yeah, that I don't... substitution. Yeah. When when that happened, I must admit, I was surprised because we obviously need a goal mm. and it's manic. Yeah. But at the same time, it probably is wise if you step back from it and think to yourself, you know, you, you just don't want to go down to 10 men. Yeah, you don't want to go down to 10 men and, and plus, there is a second leg to be played, isn't there, at the end of the day, so... It 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 didn't need to be all there and now. It's all it, it's it's a hundred and eighty minute game. It's about kind of I don't know anticipating what's to come, preparing and keeping your best players available. Um, and you, what I will say is, look, I'm not I'm not a big fan of him in terms of his overall ability, but Arigi does have a knack of scoring big goals, doesn't he? So it's if he would have come on and scored yesterday, you would have labelled as classic Arigi. So. Maybe he just he just thought something a little bit different. Yeah, maybe it cr- crossed the uh, club's mind as well. The fact that it's it's that stadium. Yeah, and he's yeah. obviously last time he was there, he scored the winning goal. I yeah, suppose. exactly. Yeah, but beyond that substitution, he took Mo Salah off mm. on the seventy second minute. Yeah, and when he was forced into taking Jordan Henderson off, he brought on James Milner, mm. and I just I couldn't get my head around it. I really couldn't get my head around it. Um, Did you feel like he'd stop? He, he didn't want to pursue the victory too much, or well, may, get may, some maybe, back. Sorry, maybe that was what it was. Yeah, maybe he was just a one nil isn't the end of the world. But I just, I couldn't, I just didn't get it. Do you, um, do you think, bearing in mind how difficult they were and how they set up, do you think bringing someone like Kater in would have been a better move? Th- that's what I would have done. Yeah, mm. my move would have been Kater, someone who can dribble the ball and kind of bypass players a little bit. Just someone who's just the, the rigid structure. Yeah, someone who's just generally unorthodox. Mm. He's just Lin- Pep Linders described him as. I think he said he adds he adds unpredictability to mm. our build up. Mm. He said that once, and that, that that's the type of player he is. And when you're coming up against a rigid four four two block, mm. and you've got a player who can just do alternative things to anyone else. I would have brought Cater on for Henderson. And in terms of taking Salah off, my only guess regarding that would be Atletico had a clear plan for him. Yeah. And Klopp just wanted to bring on more unpredictability mm. slash fluidity in terms of positions. Just mm. players running everywhere. So just bring on a load of, you know, players that don't really have set positions, I suppose. But to take off your most dangerous player the player that we paint on this show all the time as an output merchant a proper proper delivery player yeah I just I didn't why take him off you know what what else with those two players I use this term a lot I'd call them moments players as well players who just can produce a moment to score the goal from nowhere and without them on the pitch you can't you're missing that really aren't you you know Firmino, maybe, maybe he could do something. But if you look at the if you look at the, the starting eleven with with those two off the pitch, there's not really anybody who could just kind of produce that unique moment of brilliance. No, it was a it really was a strange one. Couldn't get me around it at the time, mm. and I thought the substitutions made us 
overall more toothless, mm. which is a strange thing to do considering you're away at Atletico Madrid, the best defence in Europe, mm. arguably, with chasing a goal. Yeah. Almost. Mm. Um, so what, what are your thoughts anyway then? What are your thoughts on, 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 this. on the balance of the tie? And without going into great detail, because we obviously will do it in about a month's time, yeah. I suppose, whatever, whenever it is. General thoughts on, on the second leg? So, I did look into this briefly. One thing I will say was, it was from a Liverpool point of view, it was disappointing that they, obviously, they, they, they lose the game without scoring. But that's nothing new. It, including last night's game, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven. The Atletico Madrid have kept seven clean sheets in eight Champions League home games. The only tired to score there was Juventus. They scored two a couple, couple seasons ago. So Atletico Madrid have previous in taking the lead um, into a into a second leg or winning the home leg. But if you have a look at the away legs, it's not as good at all. Um, there's another one, two, three, four, five, six, seven. So looking at the last seven away Champions League games that Atletico Madrid... They've only won two. They've lost one, two, three, four, and drew another. And in they only kept two clean sheets from those seven away legs. So it feels like this kind of. I sitting didn't deep, know that. That's, yeah. that's wonderful to hear. Yeah. <laughs> so Go on. this kind of sitting deep, soaking up, uh, letting the opposition have all the territory seems to work brilliantly at home, but. Away from home, it doesn't seem to work as well. Mm. In fact, by Leverkusen scored twice. Juventus scored three. Borussia Dortmund scored four. You know, they, they see it doesn't seem to be as uh, unbreakable when they when they take it on the road. And I think when you're going to, for me, the toughest place in Europe at the moment, Anfield. Mm. I I think they're going to struggle to replicate what they did um, at home away at Liverpool. Yeah. No, that's good to hear, like. <laughs> that's the first time I've seen you smile all morning. <laughs> <laughs> uh, no, because I'm just a bit more... I'm, I am I am genuinely concerned. Mm. Uh, like, when we took Barcelona back to, to Anfield last season, you, you know you will get chances at Barcelona, and you know that the, the general atmosphere in the stadium, the crowd, and mm. all that stuff, you can make a team shrink. Yeah. Atletico don't look the type to me to shrink. Mm. They look equally as intense and equally as spirited and yeah. all that stuff. Um, this season, I looked at their results, tweeted last night. So, by my count, they've played, excluding the Liverpool game, by my count, they've played, I think it was 33 times in all competitions this season. Um, they've won by three goals zero times. They've won by two goals six times. Mm. They've won by one goal eight times, 12 draws, five losses by one goal. And then what Liverpool need, which is Atletico to lose by two, that's only happened twice. And they yet to lose by three. Hmm. So, as I said, 33 matches, they've lost by two goals twice. Hmm. Um, and they're just not the type of team. That the, the main thing with the whole Anfield factor will the team basically flappy? Will, mm. will the team completely bottle it sort yeah. of thing? And they just don't look like the bottlers to me. They just don't look like that type. Yeah, even if they concede, you don't then think that they'll they'll start to panic. 
They no, they just yeah. look grindy yeah. and you know Reset. horrible and, mm. and that sort of thing. Um, it's just going to be it's going to be a tricky one. I I am concerned, but and I do I do fancy Liverpool to score eventually. I don't think they will score, but it's getting it's getting the second, and then obviously in this in in. If you can't get the second and it goes to extra time, then you get to the, the point of complete randomness and it can happen. Yeah. Penalties. Yeah. It's not under your control. And that's what I said in my preview of this a couple of weeks ago. My worry was that it's going to last 180 minutes at least. And once you get to that that kind of, you know, the last the dying moments, it's out of your control and anything can happen. Yeah. Yeah, no, listen, I understand your fears. If it, I'm, I'll try and re- reassure you that I think Liverpool will still... Get through. I'm gonna I'm gonna go with you, I think, mm. at the minute, without going into great detail. I, I, I do think we, we will find a way, but I do think it's gonna be hard. I don't think we'll steamroll on like we steamrolled Barca or Villarreal a few years ago. I think it'll be it'll be tough. Yeah, I think Liverpool do just enough. I think they'll win two nil. I said we'll save this all for preview, but as Atletico Madrid just I, I pointed out how many goals he conceded on the road across those same seven games, they failed to score in four of the games. So, you know, they're, they're not proficient in attack um, on the road. So, yeah, I um, I must say, I think Liverpool are capable of scoring more than one and capable of shutting them out. So, I will say as well, I think I think the tempo of our play, I expected it to be quicker mm. away from home. It wasn't. It was quite slow, I thought. At Anfield, that goes to a different level. Yeah. I've spoke in previous episodes about... You know what? What the whole Gear Five Liverpool would look like, mm. and I think Adam Field would have the platform to to basically up the tempo to a level that maybe Atletico aren't used to dealing with in Spain. Just completely relentless intensity, wave after wave of attack until you finally find a way through. So, yeah. be interesting to see how it goes. It's going to be a tough one, uh, but we don't have to properly preview it yet. We've got no, a few weeks for that. Save that. Uh, but thanks for joining us anyway, Dave. Hopefully, we will get a win against West Ham as well. Mm. Obviously, we're not talking about that one. But yeah, thanks for joining us. Yeah, cheers, mate. Thanks for And uh, we will be back next week. Thanks. You've been listening to the Analyzing Anfield podcast on the Blood Red channel.